It's Daily Thunder, thundering out the truth of Jesus Christ live every morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more about our discipleship programs or to support this podcast, visit ellerslie.com. Now, here's Nathan Johnson. Well, if you have your Bibles, Ephesians chapter 1. Eric and I were joking the other day, it would be great with all the people staying home to get caught up on the all these daily thunders, now that we're at 300 and something uh, daily thunders, uh, forget binge-watching Netflix. Could you imagine just like, let's binge-listen to daily thunder, all 300 and something episodes. Uh, that'd, be quite the, uh, that'd be quite the adventure. <coughs> but uh, this morning we're in Ephesians chapter 1, and uh, again we are uh, in this last section of chapter 1, which means we're getting closer to chapter 2, hopefully in the next year. Uh, we'll be able to transition over there. <laughs> it's sad because it's probably not that funny. That uh, was just probably not even a joke. But uh, we'll get there soon. Uh, anyway, what I'd like to do is uh, just read verse 19 down in the, into the chapter. And we are getting really close, by the way. We just have a couple more messages uh, in chapter 1. And uh, again, just for context's sake, remember that Paul is talking about the overwhelming power of God. And the fact that the power of God is being demonstrated in the life of Jesus. And uh, this is what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 19. Paul is praying that you would know what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked or performed in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all principalities and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and made him head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all things in all ways. And again, just for the sake of review, I've been breaking this this little section into uh, several little mini sections. Uh, I've been calling verse 20. This idea that God has taken the power and really reaching into the deadness of Jesus and bringing, the dead, bringing Jesus from deadness into life, <clears throat> I'm calling that, uh, verse 20, uh, the performance or the demonstration uh, of, of life. Uh, in verse, the end of verse 20 through verse 21, uh, I'm talking, or I'm calling it the position, uh, which is all about the fact that Jesus is seated in a position at the right hand of the Father, far above all principality, power, might, dominion. And then at the end of verse 21 through verse 22, um, which we looked at last time, I am calling the preeminence, uh, which is this whole idea that he is above all things, that he has a name above all others, that, that he, he's in a position where he is to have the preeminence. Why? Because the fullness of the gospel, the fullness of all that God has been doing is that this is all focused on Jesus, this is all for Jesus, this is all from Jesus, so he has the preeminence, which is pretty amazing. Uh, verse, the end of verse 23, sorry, the beginning of verse 23, I'm calling the person, speaking about the body, and then the end of verse 23, I'm calling the purpose, which is talking about the fact that he is filling all things in all ways. <clears throat> so what I'd like to do uh, this morning, just for a little bit of time, is look at verse 22, the end of verse 22 with you. Uh, last time, we looked at this idea that all things were placed underneath his feet, and of course he has a name above all others, therefore he has the preeminence. But what I want to look at specifically is this idea that he is the head over all things. 
that he is head, that he is the head, that he is head. Are you getting this? He is head over all things for the church, which is his body. Now, I love this in the passage, and if you knew Greek, you could, we could just look at this, but since my guess is none of us really know Greek, uh, let me just walk you through this. <clears throat> that phrase in, in the passage, uh, again, it's, and he put all things under his feet, verse 22, and gave him as head over all things. That phrase, gave him as head, gave him, that's a verb, right? He's giving. That word gave, I love this, it means to give. Ha ha ha! Brilliant, isn't it? But, but here's the emphasis. It's giving something for the advantage of. Uh, you can hand something to somebody and you can give them something, but it doesn't mean it's for an advantage. Uh, you're about to have soup. Oh, love soup on a day like this. And someone hands you a fork to eat your soup. And you're like, that doesn't help me, right? That is not to my advantage of eating soup, right? But hey, if, if you're going to have soup and we hand you a big spoon, you're like, woo, praise the Lord, that's to the advantage, right? Now, that would be a dumb illustration of what we're talking about here, right? That he has been given as head. Well, what, 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 is, what is happening here? Well, he's being given. The Father is giving Jesus. But the giving is for the advantage of. Are you getting this? Now, I love this. When you look at that verb, to give, that to the advantage of. Now, don't get, don't get too excited. It's in the aorist active indicative. Woo-hoo-hoo. No one, no one, even raise an eyebrow. The aorist active indicative, uh, and here's the emphasis. The fact that it's in the aorist, aorist, it, it, it's, we don't have aorist in the English, so it gets a little confusing. And aorist, it's like, it's the non-tense. Is the best way to understand it. In other words, was this past tense? Did he, give, did, did he give Jesus in the past for the advantage? Don't worry about that. Well, did he give him right now for the advantage? Don't, don't worry about that. How about, in, is he going to give Jesus in the future for the advantage? Don't worry about it. In other words, the focus is not on the win. The focus is on the action itself. The focus is, hey, don't care about when this is taking place. Something has been given to our advantage. That's the focus. And the fact that it is in the indicative right? The indicative in the Greek is a simple statement of fact, meaning this is not up for question. This is not a possible, maybe, maybe not kind of thing. This is, hey, God has given Jesus as an advantage. Doesn't matter when. He, it, it, the focus is on the fact that he is the advantage. And this is not up for question. This is not up for grab. This is, this is a simple statement of fact. Isn't that awesome? So when you look at the passage then, here is the Father, and he is giving for the advantage of. Well, what did he give? Jesus. For the purpose of what? To be the head. Well, the head of what? Everything. And who did he, whose advantage is Jesus being the head over all things too? Us. His body, the church. You getting this? So you could, if you were to take all that, uh, you could say it this way. So here, here's, my, here's my attempt of trying to put all that into a little statement. The Father has given Jesus the position of head, which is above all for the benefit and the advantage of his body, the church. In other words, we have an advantage. Why? Well, he's been risen from the dead. 
He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. He's, given this, he's been given this position which is far above all things. Everything has been placed underneath his feet. His name is above all others. And that is to our advantage. All right, I'm excited. Uh, when you look at this idea then, the fact that he is the head, let me just give you three quick ideas uh, to kind of flesh, flesh this out a little bit on this idea of what does it mean for him to be the head. Uh, number one, if he is the head, it means that Jesus has the authority, the dominion, and the leadership. That he is the head. Just as a head, a physical head, right? Think about your head, right? We all have a head. Most of us, it's working, right? But you have a head. You, you realize the head is the very, uh, it's the driving force. It's the dominion of your body. It's the leadership aspect of your, of your body, Right? I would say it's the very center of your body, but that sounds weird because at center we typically think of our heart, right? But in reality, the head is the control mechanism for our body. Our body, without your head, has no hope. Your body, without a head, cannot go anywhere. And of course, you could say, well, it still has legs. I could go anywhere I wanted to. And no, no, you, have, you can't leave your head behind, right? That's not an option. That you have, in order for your body to function as a body, it demands a head. Isn't that an interesting thought with the church? That we, as a church, as it says in verse 23, is his body. Which means we, as the church, cannot, cannot properly un, uh, function as we ought without a head. And isn't it a sad thought that so many churches in our modern world is going off and attempting to do ministry or trying to do their own thing? as if they are a body running around without a head. But as believers, we have come under the authority, we're under the dominion, we're under the leadership of our head, who's Jesus. And that is to our advantage. Because he is king of kings and lord of lords. He's above all things. His name is greater than all things. He has the preeminence. And none of us are smart enough to pull this thing off. So why would we try to usurp that position and try to be the head when we have a head who is fully sufficient in and of himself to lead and guide the body? It just removes all the pressure, doesn't it? If we could trust the head. Like your hand does not have to stress about, oh, oh no, I've got to make plans for the day. No, it just responds to what the head is going to do that day. And it's a beautiful picture of what the church is supposed to be like. That the head, Jesus being the head, has the dominion. He has the control. He has the authority. He is to be the one who's leading this thing. Both corporately as the church and individually as us, as individuals, as a body. So let me give you a few passages here. Just, just listen to these. Psalm 8, 6. The psalmist says, you have made him, speaking of the Messiah, to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have placed all things under his feet. Psalm 145, 13. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. Daniel 4, 3. How great are his signs, and how mighty is his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion is from generation to generation. 1 Peter 4.11 That in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ 
to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Colossians 2, verse 9 and 10. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Colossians 1.18. He is the head of the body, the church, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Yeah. So do you get this? He's the one with all the authority. He's the one in control. He is the one that is to have the dominion. He's the one who's supposed to be leading this thing. That I can actually relax and trust in his sovereign goodness and faithfulness. That I can just, I, I do not have to have the control. That I, I, I don't have to be manipulating my day. I don't have to just, why? Because he's, he's, he's the head. Now that doesn't mean I just, I don't become passive. We don't understand that, right? It's not that we just grow, grow brain dead and just be like, oh God, just do whatever you want with me. We're not talking about that, but we're not in the control position, right? If you're in a dance, you're not the one leading. We're good? Okay. You realize what this means practically. Uh, I like to be organized. Uh, I like to figure out my schedule. Uh, a lot of my friends are recognizing that I'm, I'm not a spontaneous person, and so I have to plan my spontaneity, <laughs> right? It's like, okay, two weeks from now, on Saturday, for about two hours, I will be spontaneous. What are you going to do? I don't know. That's why I'm going to be spontaneous. <laughs> but I have to schedule my spontaneous. <laughs> you know, that's how my life works. Uh, and my life's busy, and so I tend to, you know, uh, usually my weeks are, are scheduled out, you know, months in advance. And so, t- you know, hey, if you want to do something with me, hey, I'd love to do it. And I've got gaps throughout the week. But for the most part, if, if we're going to do something, it needs to be on the calendar weeks in advance. That's just, that's just how I function. This, what we're talking about, him being the head, is not like, uh, I fill my calendar, and then I say, God, uh, do you approve that? You want to you check this off? Is, is this right? See, that's me still being in control. See, this is, God, would you, would you take over? Hey, could you somehow, could, could me as the body, as part of the body, just so have a clarity and an insight? And could I somehow know the, the heart and the mind of the head that you, just, just as my head steers my body, God, could you take my life and steer my life in such a way that you use it for your purposes? I love the old stories like the, uh, the Moravian missionaries. I don't know if you ever read about the Moravians. Uh, the Moravians, there was a whole season of the Moravian thing where they pray 24 hours a day for over 100 years as, as a community. Could you imagine? You thought our prayer times were long. I mean, could you imagine 100 years of solid prayer? And God did amazing things through that. But the missionary movement that came out of that was just, it's, it was unbelievable to read about. And here were all these missionaries who were just saying, God, could you... You, you be in control. Where do, where do you want us? In fact, send us to the hardest places. And, and of course, one of the famous stories is the, uh, the, uh, the, the, these Moravians heard the, about this island, and there was one master, and everyone on the, on the island was slaves. And it was just this horrible place. And these couple of young Moravian missionaries were just burdened for this island. And they realized they would not be allowed to go to the island to be missionaries unless they first went to the island as slaves. 
because the only people going to the island were the ones that this master was taking as slaves. And they thought about it for a while, and they said, you know what, those, those slaves need Jesus. And would it be worth us selling ourselves in a lifelong slavery for the sake of us spreading the gospel? And of course, the grand story is they get on the boat, and they're leaving their families, and you, you recognize this is going to be the last time they see their families. They are, they are literally selling themselves into lifelong slavery. Right? And so the family's on the, on the shore, and they're on the boat, and as the boat is getting further and further away, the, as the story goes, one of them raised their hand in the air and cried out. So the last words that their family heard was, may the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. He's worthy. So when we sing songs like, take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee, we're not just saying words. We're saying, hey, God, we, we want you to be the head. Hey, we, we want you to be in control. Hey, we want you to, to rule this life however you want to. Spill this, my, my body and blood, however you, however, however you want to. And if that means, hey, I, you, you send me over here, and, and, I, and I toil my whole life, and no one ever hears about me, and there seems to be no evidence of a movement of you, but that's where you want me? All right. Hey, if that's for your glory, I'm all in. And somehow we have to trust his purpose and his plan, even if it doesn't make sense in our little finite minds. I'm sure there are times where my pinky goes, I don't understand what you're doing with the body. Why are you jamming me into this thing over here? I'm like, there's a purpose. My pinky may not know why it's being shoved into manure, right? Right? Or shoved into a glove, or shoved into something. Shoved, or shoving it, just shoving it. You know, I just, you ram it into something, right? That maybe is a bad illustration since I have no idea what I'm doing if I'm shoving it into something. But, <laughs> but, but if I take my pinky finger and I'm shoving it into manure, right? If you were the pinky, you'd be like, excuse me, what are, what are you doing with me? I am a pinky. I'm good for something. I don't, I don't know what pinkies are good for. You know? Except for the three little pigs story. Or, you know, not the three little pigs, but the, never mind. Um, <laughs> if I was the pinky, though, you realize that being in manure doesn't, it's not, it doesn't feel good, doesn't smell good, right? It's just, and you would wonder, what, what, is, what is the body doing? But as the head, there's a purpose for this. I'm growing roses. And so, hey, pinky, you're going to have to get into the middle of this manure, and, and you may have to spend your whole life in the manure, and you may not recognize that there are roses coming out of that. But hey, as the head, there's a purpose for, for you being in the manure. I don't know if this makes sense for your life. But do you realize that we have to trust the head? That if he is head, you are not. Which means you must surrender. You have to, you have to say, God, I don't, maybe I don't fully understand what you're doing, but I trust you. And so hey, if you want to use my life on a stage, so be it. If you want to put my life under this stage, so be it. Hey, whether people know my name or don't know my name, that actually doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is, hey, would you receive the glory from my life? And I'm really going to submit myself to the will of the head. Do you know what, do you know what would happen in our churches if our churches did that? God, you, hey, we're, we're your body. Use us however you want to in this community. That we are desperate for you to turn this community upside down. So, hey, you have a body here. Use it. How do you want to take us and infiltrate this community and turn this world upside down for your purpose and for your plan and for your renown and for your glory? And 
So this is not about us and building our numbers and looking good and getting a new building and, and you know, having, hey, how many did you have in church on Sunday? That, hey, that's Jesus. That's not going to be our focus. Our focus is, hey, we just want to proclaim you. And whether we fill seats or don't fill seats, that, that's not our concern. That's your concern. And, Lord, if we win the entire community and they go down to the church down the road, whoo, praise the Lord. Because this is not about building our thing. This is about building your thing. And we just want to be your body, surrender to your purpose and to your plan. So I think that would just start changing how we lived if we actually saw him as the head. Uh, number two, it's not just that he has the authority, the dominion, and the leadership. But number two, as the head, Jesus is to be our provision. And we are to live in perfect union with him. Do you realize that as the head, your head, your physical head is the, the position or the place that gives the nourishment and the provision for the entire body? It gives direction, yes, that's true, but it also nourishes the entire body. That's a great thought, isn't it? And that your body has to live, if it's going to function properly, your body is going to have to live in perfect union with your head. Do you know how horrible it would be if your right hand started to rebel against your head? You would have you some problems, wouldn't you? That if we're going to function as, as, as a normal person, right, our body has to be in unity. That we have to allow the head to bring nourishment to the individual members of our body. Uh, Colossians, <clears throat> Colossians 2.19 says that he is the head from whom all the body, nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that is from God. You, you realize the head is, is giving, yes, it gives the direction, gives the authority, all that kind of stuff. But do you, do you realize that it's the head that brings, that brings, the, body into, brings the body into growth and nourishes the body and is to provide for the body and and isn't it interesting that the same heart, the same mind, the same DNA of the head is to be in the body? That in just like your body, your head does not have a different DNA as the rest of your body. Do you realize that's supposed to be true in the church as well? Well, what is the church supposed to look like? The head. In fact, you realize we recognize people more often by their head than any other part of their body. Now, we do know that there are times where, you know, you see a silhouette of someone and you're like, mm, that looks like Jaquita, right? Or that looks like Bob. Like, like we, we recognize people by their body. We understand that. But when you see someone, what you typically see is their face. You don't go, oh, that's, you know what, you know whose hand that is? That's Bob's hand. Yeah, you might know Bob so well that you know what his hand looks like, but you're not just, you're not walking down the road looking at hands. If you do please stop, you know, <laughs> that's creepy, right, <laughs> but, <clears throat> but we recognize people by their faces, do you realize that's supposed to be true in the church, that when someone comes into the church, what should, what should they be enamored by, the head, what should they be seeing, the head, they shouldn't go, wow, that is a lovely belly button, wow, that, that little, that little pinky toe of yours, that is just, uh, that is a wonderful, now, your church may have a wonderful belly button, and your church may have a wonderful pinky toe. But that should not be the focus of the church. What should be the focus of the church? Jesus. And the same DNA and the same heart and the same mind that Jesus has is to be replicated in the, in the church. Because the body 
is to have the same DNA as the head. Well, what's the DNA of the head? What's, what's the nature of the head? What, what's the attributes of the head, the character of the head? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Right? That, that, that when you, hey, when you, if you're going to boil the head down and you're going to go, hey, what, what, is, what is the essence of the head? It's Jesus. It, it's, it's love. It's, it, it's his, are you getting this? What should your life look like? It should be demonstrating the fruits of the Spirit. It's the fruit of Jesus. It's the life of Jesus within. What, 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 hey, someone comes into our churches. What should they just be overwhelmed with? Not with talent. Not with light shows. Not with great preaching. Not, not with, ooh, these seats are so comfortable. They, they, that, should, that should not be enamoring. That, that should not be the focus of a church. What should be the focus of the church? Oh, wow, look how nice their foyer is. Hey, have you seen their coffee shop? Woo, have you checked out their bookstore? See, what, what should the focus of the church be? The head. And you realize if, if, a, if a, a visitor comes in and they start talking about something other than Jesus happening in your church, there's a problem. Not to say we can't have a nice church and you can't have a coffee shop and hey, might as well have a bookstore, but that's not the focus. And hey, if our visitors are being enamored by the light show and the music quality and the talent of our singing, and that's the reason they're staying, they're staying for the wrong reasons. Why should they be staying at our churches? The head. And you can have the worst music, and you can have no coffee. Could you believe it? And people should still want to come. Why? Because you're obsessed with the head. And the members of that body are just living the life of the body or the, of the head. That they just, they can't help themselves. You walk in and you're just like, stop loving me. That you're giving me way too much joy. You're like, hey, I'm just filling with way, way too much peace. And, wouldn't that be amazing? And do you know what turned the early church upside down? Is the fact that the body actually looked like the head. The body had the lifestyle of the head. Had the DNA of the head. Oh, gotta hurry. Uh, number three, if Jesus is the head... You also have to realize that he is the source of our blessing. It's interesting in the Old Testament, specifically, one of the symbolisms uh, for the head is the fact that the head was the place of blessing. That, hey, if you're going to anoint a king, you put, it, you, you put the oil upon the head. Hey, if you're going to pronounce or uh, pass blessing from father to son, what does the father do? The father puts his hand on the head of his son to pronounce blessing. So interestingly, the head becomes a symbol a blessing. Do you know what our blessing is as the church? Jesus. That he is our blessing. It's not that he gives us blessing. He is the blessing itself. And we, we, we've been walking through this, but in verses 3 down to verse 14, is all these blessings that we have in Christ Jesus. And what, what we consistently said over and over and over again is the fact that it's not that you get Jesus plus a blessing you get Jesus, who is your blessing. And you, and you begin to recognize that the blessing that the church has, the blessing that you and I have as believers, is not like some, oh, we get this, oh, we get this, oh, we get this. Well, what is our blessing? The head. And when we have the head, we have all things that we need for life and for godliness, 2 Peter 1.3. That he is all that we need. 
That, hey, if, if, if you need something, my guess is what you actually need is more of Jesus. If you're lacking peace, don't go after peace. Go after Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace. Hey, if you're needing joy, don't go after joy. Go after the one who in, who in him is the fullness of all joy, Psalm 1611. Hey, if you're looking for hope in the middle of this crazy season, don't go looking for hope. Go, go after Jesus, who becomes our hope. Hey, if you're looking for healing, don't go after healing. Go after Jesus, who is the healer. Why? Because he's the head. And as the head, he is literally our blessing. Isn't that awesome? So look again back at your passage in Ephesians 1, verse 22. It says, he has put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body. Do you realize that he wants to have that position? Not just in our churches, but in our personal lives. What would it look like if I took my life and brought it under the authority, under the dominion, under the leadership of Jesus Christ? What would it look like if I began to take on his DNA? What would it begin to look like if I began to recognize that as a Christian, I am blessed? Not because I have blessing, but because I have a head whose name is Jesus. And I'm fairly convinced that if I would actually live as if he is the head and not me, if I began to actually live as if his DNA is to be my DNA, if I, if I began to recognize that he is to be my blessing, that I'm not just to produce blessing, that would change everything in my life. Wouldn't it? See, I, I think that would change how I evangelize. I think that, that would change how I handle temptation. That, that would change how I handle the dumb coronavirus. And I'm not, I mean dumb in the sense of how people are responding is insane. But what if as Christians we could just have peace? What if, what if we could go to the grocery store and shop and we actually had a smile on our face? I could go to the grocery store and I'm giggling the whole time. Probably because I think it's insane. I'm mean, just looking at the shelves being empty and just going, this is bonkers. And you look at people's faces and they're holding onto the cart, you know, and they're just, oh, you know, I've got to find something. You know, and, I, and I, keep, I can't help but giggle. And I'm trying to, you know, hey, it's okay. You, know, you need Jesus, you know. <laughs> you, know you, don't need no more, you don't need more toothpaste. You need toothpaste. But, <laughs> you know, you need toothpaste plus Jesus, you know. But just embrace Jesus. Just calm down. See, wouldn't it be interesting in this season if, if the world looked at us as believers and said, you guys are different. I know we have a head, and we can trust our head, that our head is going to lead us and guide us and give us direction. And the head has given us provision and protection. Hey, our head is blessing. Hey, our, our head is, see, this changes everything. Let's pray. Lord, we need you. Oh, Lord, you are the head. We don't have to ask you to be the head. You are the head. Lord, the, really, the, the question is, are we willing to come under that authority? So, Lord, I don't want to ask, hey, would you be my head? Lord, I want to ask, would you bend me? Would you, would you take me, my personal life, and bend me under the authority of Jesus? Lord, would you take every area of my life? I don't want to just live my life for Jesus. Lord, I don't want to just try to do this thing, grit my teeth. and Lord, I don't want to just try to force peace in my life. Lord, I just want to be overwhelmed by the head. Lord, Lord, this world needs to see not Nathan. They need to see the head. 
Lord, would you take my church and would you allow my church to be a demonstration of the head? That the church, the body, would, would actually have the same DNA and would be under the authority and the dominion of the head. and That the body would just would be a place of blessing. Why? Because we have the head. And Lord, in the midst of this culture, in the midst of what's going on, I pray that, that somehow the world will be dumbfounded by the fact that how is it that you are living in peace and a calm and a security and a hope and joy and love in the midst of all that's going on? Oh, let me tell you about the head. Lord, would you truly take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee? Lord, I don't want to make my own decisions. And yes, you give me wisdom, and I want to live in that wisdom that you've given me. But, but Lord, I don't want to be so tight with the head that I just, that somehow my life would just come into alignment with your purpose and your plan as the head. So, Lord, whatever you need to do to accomplish that in my life, I give you permission. We love you, Jesus. We just give you the praise and the glory. In your precious, powerful name we pray. Amen. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder is delivered live and streamed daily weekdays at 8.15 a.m. and weekends at 9.15 a.m. Join us at live.ellerslie.com. We invite you to visit us at the beautiful Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado for a day, a week, or an entire season of gospel-centered spiritual training. Learn more at ellersley.com. Thanks for listening.